Yo, hurry up, hurry up, turn it on. Sign at a TV, about to go live right now. Hurry up, hurry up, I gotta watch Sign at a TV. I watch Sign at a I watch Sign at a I watch Sign at a I watch Revolution, truth hour, black power, bloodline, land hours, red pill, blue pill, Sankofa, we take the red and the blue pill, we taking over, I'ma have to break my condition without a doubt, I am not a slave to the system, I'm breaking out, Sinetta know if he see the devil, he point him out, so we standing with our fist in the air to scream and shout, peace, 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 Revolution is here. Sign of the studios. Sign of the TV. Black News 102. I watch Sign 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 I watch P-U-P, dolomissionent.com Black African Power, what's good? What's happening? A well-organized life. Defeats a disorganized truth every time. Woo-hoo-wee, man, y'all already know this, man. It's God killer in the house, and I'm coming to do what I got to do, and I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm standing tall, I'm standing strong, hey, and it's I'm a raw squad up. What's good, family, man? I'm here for class three. If you've been following me, I first gave you a class, a basic class on uh, certain terms dealing with evolution, on uh, the origin of humanity, and the Isle of Africa theory. Uh, talked about that. That's to get you ready for this segment. Uh, the last class I did prior to that, I talked about the 130,000 year old find. I wanted to deal with the oldest find in North America that kind of dealt with humans. And I talked about what humans were and I talked about the different species of humans, right? And talked about Homo sapiens sapiens. I was trying to give you a course in basically understanding some of the terminology that is used in science. And so I was trying to give you, not trying, I was giving you a course of understanding to make you scientifically literate. The conversation about who people be America's first, second, third, or fourth, or human beings. We're dealing with biology, DNA, anthropology, paleontology, right? It's an argument for science. It's not an argument for mythology. Mythology arises after the human organism, you know what I'm saying, arises in America, and they figure out how they think they got there. Science is looking at the available evidence in nature to tell you how they got there. Hmm, it's a good point right there. Y'all got to keep up with that. So what is a scientific theory first? A scientific theory is an example of an aspect of the natural world. So we're talking about the natural world now, right? That can be repeatedly tested, right? In accordance with the scientific method, we know the scientific method comes from the Rhine Mathematical Papyrus. Uh, ancient Nile Valley Africans, right, who absolutely practice science. Uh, the, the word chemistry comes from the name Kemet, right, dealing with chemistry. We know they got the oldest, uh, quote-unquote, synthetic color, which is chemistry. You know what I mean? To make a color, okay? So 
the method of studying nature comes from Africa first. That's why I'm totally disturbed when they say that, quote unquote, the white man's science, but it can't be. We're really talking about African science. Okay? So that scientific method was very important, which was developed first in Mama Africa, right? Recognize that. And so they later on, right, will get to this point where they tell you how they reconstruct and tell you what a scientific theory is, right? It has to be based off a of natural phenomenon, okay? Using a predefined protocol, right, of observation and experiments, systems, methods of getting to the truth. You get to the truth in science by studying. That's all science is, the study of the natural world. The observation and study of natural phenomenon in your natural world. So bones laying in the dirt, you know what I'm saying? It's a natural phenomenon. People die, things die, right? Erosion occurs, different climates change, right? All these things. DNA, that's all natural. That happens not, That happens with or without human beings. Okay? So we need to get that straight. So then we have the community. We have elders. Elders of uh, they these days our elders really deal with this type of information, right? The, the serious elders are like in their 70s and above, 65, 70 and above, right? And so they really aren't aren't really uh, uh, abreast, right, with this information knowledge. That's not what they necessarily was doing. Let me find if I could find Dr. Ben's work, right? One one Dr. Ben's Dr. Ben uh, John Jackson, right? They did that. That's what they dealt with. Shikanti Diops, they dealt with science. They dealt with evolution. Um, so I just, uh, a good suggestion, man, to, to read these two books right here, man. Uh, Black Man and Now and His Family, African and Mother of Western Civilization by Dr. Ben. I didn't talk about this a million daggone times. Also, read the book Chronology and Human Evolution. And talk about that a million times. All right, I base I base the chronology of human evolution off of the chronology of the Bible. Read the chronology of the Bible. I want to simplify these things. Dr. Ben right was a teacher of evolution. John Jackson was a teacher of evolution. He wrote the book Man, God, and Civilization. So the question is, why does he put man first, then God and civilization? What's the joke in that? Why did he say why that title? Why? Right, because man comes before God. Why? Because man determines who God is and what God is not. It's a cultural thing. See how easy that was? No, nah, y'all ain't ready for that. Y'all want the, the clouds open up and the God to come down to give you everything. Yeah, I know y'all do. That's why people be hating on me. So our elders, right, the ones that are left aren't really abreast in evolution. I've had conversations back and forth. Uh, there's certain videos on Sarnetta when I'm interacting with the elders and they just not buying what they call the monkey shit. They're not buying it. And that's okay. But I'm thinking that those who do not understand biological evolution or do not want to because they don't have to, right? Uh, they've done good work in what they do, right? But this conversation of genetics, this conversation uh, dealing with uh, paleontology and anthropology and the study of skin and molecules and adding protons and neutrons, right? That we're using to tell the story, man. They got to just stay out of this conversation. What the elders can't do, they can't tie our hands, right? And make us think the way they want us to think, right? So that we don't deal with that. And I don't think there's any elder amongst us, right, that would actually do that. At least on purpose, right? I'm not going to allow them to tie my hands. I love my elders.
And I love them so much so that I'm not going to allow them to witness against themselves. What I mean? Well, you witness against yourself when you tie the hands of the young people amongst you, right, trying to push forward to work. Now, you might not, you might not find what you thought you was going to find pushing forward to work. You might find that there were certain things missed. So let's do this real quick. So the Human Genome was mapped out, was the Human Genome Project, right, uh, was mapped out, finished, the genome was finished, right, in 2003. April 14th. That's when the, when, the, when the mapping of the human genome was complete. That's a game changer. Our elders was born before that. Right? Our elders wasn't dealing with that a lot of times. Uh, Dr. Ben uh, 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 wasn't, he doesn't mention genetics in here. Right? He deals with the fossil record. He mentions all the hominids and hominids. Uh, Orthopithic scenes, Orthopithic Africanus, uh, Homer records. He deals with all the sites. Yeah, I thought he talks about all of that. So anybody that claimed to be following Dr. Ben, right, you must not have really read his works if you think he wasn't dealing with that. The same with John Jackson. All right. So I'm, I'm just letting y'all know. So the elders in these particular days, right, seven years old, they're not really dealing with that, right. And so they're trying to tell a story. Right, that requires you to understand genes and genetics. So I'm letting you know if you want to tell a story of how the Nile Valley or how Africans or how human beings uh, traversed around the planet and how human beings where they where they first pop up at and all that, man, you got to deal with evolution, biological evolution. You got to tell you, you want to talk about where humans come from first and the oldest humans. You know what I'm saying? And the mothers and fathers of humanity, man, it's only one thing that answers that question. That's DNA. That's biology. That's evolution. I told y'all that evolution is the study of the human organism as it transforms in different environments. Even better said, evolution is the study of black, brown peoples as they, as they traverse in different environments and are transformed because nature's so powerful, right, that they transform and mutate, you know what I'm saying, into different aspects that are allowed to survive in that particular environment. That's all it is. Evolution is simply the study of the brown peoples of the planet Earth, the dark brown peoples of the planet Earth, as they go around and as Mother Nature transforms them so they can continue to live in those environments. That's how powerful nature is. That's all evolution is. Don't let them tell you nothing else different. Plain and simple. So you why fight the thing that gives you the most power in understanding how you came to be as African people. You don't even got to use the word African people. But there's a spot, a place where we first find the early hominids. There's a place in the world where we find, you know what I'm saying, the early homo sapiens sapiens. There's a place where we find the majority, if not all of, all, all of the fossil record dealing with humans. We find some in Asia, right? We're starting to find some in Europe. But the oldest such ones are found on the place that will later on be called Africans. Africa, man, you can't. I mean, hell, people back then didn't name the continents. So we know that's a modern way of doing things. We ain't tripping. So we recognize the truth in that the majority of the world's population for the, for, no, the whole human population Right, the whole human population for the first quote unquote uh, five, six, seven million years, right, five million years, four million years, right, was brown. 
The whole hominid history was brown. The first seven million years of hominids, you know what I'm saying? And hominids, right? It's brown. Dr. Brown. Ain't no pale-skinned people yet. So the history of man starts out amongst the brown people. So the question is, how do they get from dark to light? That's the conversation. And you can only answer that, right, through the study of biology. Ain't nowhere else to do it by the study of nature. Nature don't make you brown, dark, and pale because that's what the human beings wanted to be. That's because we have a certain agenda to make pale skin the best thing, popping or the most beautiful thing. You know, like, white is beautiful and black is dirty and filthy. You know that game they play with colors. That ain't what nature doing. Nature don't care if you're a Muslim, Christian, Jew, real black, atheist, purple, atheist, green, atheist, purple, Christian, black, Christian, Jehovah Witness, and all the other millions of Muslims. They don't care if you call yourself Native American. Nature don't care what you call yourself. Whether you was Hitler, you know what I'm saying? Whether you just exterminated Jews, whether you just was uh, 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 Europeans using ships to go colonize the world, murdering and killing them and enslaving them, whether you a Muslim doing all that, you still going to get some rain at the end of the day. Yeah, nature ain't looking at none of that. Nature is looking to transform living organisms so that nature can continue. Because that's all it is. When you look at anything... Whether that be a roach, a bat, a bird, a black man, a brown man, a dinosaur, a tree, a molecule, you know what I'm saying? Whenever you look at anything, a rock, anything, you're looking at the same thing just transformed. So we talk about the oneness, the interconnectedness of everything. Biology teach you this. Evolution teach you this. That everything has a common ancestor, universal ancestor. Everything, man, stars, explosions, it's all interconnected. The same, the same atoms that you find in stars, you find in humans. Minerals, elements, we got element charts. Most of y'all don't even know the element charts. Most of y'all don't even know why there's empty spaces on the element chart. You know what I'm saying? Why is it an empty space on an element chart? Man, y'all probably don't even know that. Because some elements are so hard to catch up with. They know it's there. They can't capture it. So they leave an empty space. So, like, scientific literacy now is what we really need to get and understand. To understand this argument of the Native Americans, scientific literacy is the knowledge and the understanding of scientific concepts. 99.99% of the community don't understand it. And I'll give you an example. And processes required for personal decision making. Personal decision making. Man, scientific literacy will help you in that. Right? Participation in civic and cultural affairs. That's why you understand your culture. Because you're not scientifically literate. And economic productivity. That's why we're so weak in economic productivity, because we're not scientifically literate. It also includes specific types of abilities. It's saying in the, in the natural science education standards, the concept standards defined scientific literacy. Okay. So, you think I'm crazy out my mind because I say the things that I say.
But let me show you what scientific, let me show you how uh, a person that is not scientifically literate will react to this. They'll say that the first people in the Americas, right, we are indigenous, we are the first people, we came from America itself. That means you're not scientifically literate because all available data, right, on human beings say, right, that they come from the region, Great Great Lake Rift Valley. This, as of 2018, things could change because more finds could be found. But the Homo sapiens sapiens, I don't even want to talk about the rest of the humans, right, come from Africa. Homo erectus come from Africa. Outside of Africa, Homo erectus becomes Homo uh, uh, Denisovan, right? You got Homo Neanderthal, right? They reside outside of Africa. And I'm saying uh, Homo Nelati, Africa. You got black anthropologists. Um, Haile Selassie is renowned for filing fines. You got Africans in Kenya, anthropologists, uh, sisters, black sisters uh, uh, in, in Africa, all over the continent. Right? DNA, science, doing all that. Right? So scientific literate, if you're not scientifically literate, you'll think that when we say human, we mean all the humans. No. Not at all. It's not what we say. You would have to be scientifically literate. So when I direct y'all to journals, I'm recognizing that you're not scientifically literate to even break down the journals. So scientific literacy is a must and understand that. And if you're not out there creating scientific theories, right, then you can't be an authority on nothing. You have to present other works. So I'm showing you how to present other works. And the best way to present other works is to go to the actual person doing the work. And don't read what another person says about their work. Read what the person says about their work and then read the critiques on these people's works. Go straight to the journal. So Wikipedia, back to that. So Wikipedia, blogs and all that, right? They newspapers, right? Uh, they mention a fine, right? They mention the person name and found it, right? But they don't, and they give you the source where to go to. They'll show you that it's in a journal. You need to go to that journal and read it yourself. And then even when you're reading uh, um, um, Wikipedia, you got to have a certain level of scientific literacy. They even understand it at times if it's based in science. So look up all the words and all the terms. So we come to this particular article. Okay? It's entitled Late Pliocene Human Skeleton and Mitochondrial DNA Link Paleo-Americans to Modern Native Americans. That's where we at. Indigenous people claim they're indigenous, which is they really West Africans, maybe East Africans, and maybe acting like they something they not. They will argue profusely based off of uh, uh, Naya, that's N-A-I-A, -A. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, that's a fine. I think she's a 12-year-old girl between 13 and maybe between 12 and 14-year-old girl that they found in a cave. Ah, uh, see, cave. Oh, the white man of the cave, man. Ah, yeah, I, I know. But the oldest finds that they found in America was in a cave near. Then you got Luzia, right? They're calling them the Paleo-Americans. And their phenotype features aren't like the Native Americans. We're going to talk about that and how. I got 17 minutes in. Man, my prologue <laughs> might have been a too, little bit too long. But these are things I had to say. I had to talk about scientific literacy in terms and being literate in said subject. I had to talk about the elders and how they just, they don't want to deal with this. Right? And how I'm thinking they should just stay out of this portion of the conversation. They did their work. They defeated the Europeans and saying that no. That the majority of people on the planet, yeah, you know I'm saying, 
uh, first was uh, uh, black, brown people, that the elders was right. Right? That a lot of lands you go to, the first people there are these brown people. Yes. Uh, they just proved it with the European find, remember? And they had brown skin in it. Right, we can because we know when that when that when that pale gene comes in, uh, uh, we know the time of that we can measure. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We can measure the genes, the traits. We can measure that. We can tell when it came in the band. See what I'm saying? So we get right to it, right? All right. So we'll just say because it is an ongoing debate, right? It says. The ancestry of the earliest Americans is still debated. However, because of the oldest skeleton remains from the Americas, 9,000, right, the Paleo-Americans, consistently fail to group morphologically with modern Native Americans, Siberians, and other Northeast Asians. Paleo-Americans exhibit longer narrow crania and smaller, shorter, more projecting faces than later Native Americans. Okay, this is the differences we're talking about right now. In nearly all cases, they are morphologically, morphologically most similar to modern, to modern peoples of America. Let me say this again. In nearly all cases, they are morphologically. Look up the word morphologically. I'm talking about features, right? Most similar to modern peoples of Africa. Oh, I told you. Oh. Africa, uh, you mean most similar, <laughs> most similar peoples of Africa. Unk, I told you, Australia. Oh, I told you, y'all leave the Australians out and Southern Pacific Rim peoples. It says, uh, paleomorphic dental traits, talking about the teeth now, currently found in East Asia also distinguish Native Native Americans who tend to exhibit such specialized C donut, C dot. Sin, synodont, synodont, that's S-I-N-O-D-O-N-T, that's dealing with uh, traits, teeth, right? Uh, traits as winged, shovel-shaped upper incursions, three-rooted lower first molars, and small absent third molars of Paleo-Americans who exhibit a less specialized uh, syndonate morphology, okay? So... Here we have, in this scientific journal, showing the morphological differences, uh, slight variations in the teeth, right, uh, of Paleo-Americans and Native Americans. Now, mind you, the Paleo-Americans, right, although they don't have the, uh, the exact same types of teeth that the Native Americans have, but both of those traits, you look up the word, I spelled it for you, right, still go back to Asia. All right? Rocking now. Let me scroll down here a little bit more. We want to deal with the DNA evidence that a lot of the elders just not going to deal with and a lot of the community not going to deal with. Y'all dealing with outdated information. Y'all just keep, you know I mean, y'all just refuse to miss that, right? Because we want to know how is it that Africans from Africa can end up in the Americas. That's what we want to know. By foot. Now, y'all crazy. Y'all want to have the ship building on. All right, whatever. We can let y'all do that at $130,000 all you want. Y'all can act like that all y'all want to. Do y'all thing. Okay. So, uh, NH5 slash 48. That's the nomenclature 
Y'all can type that in, and that's going to give you the find of NIA, N-A-I-A, right, of the Paleo-American that they found, right? That's the nomenclature they're using to identify uh, that particular fossil. It says, it's a largely complete, well-preserved skeleton of a uh, gray-sile, small-featured female, okay? Estimated to have been 15 to 16 years old. All skeleton elements are intact except for apparent... Uh, uh, Permanent fractures of the pubic bone trauma that is consistent with a fall into a shallow pool from one of the upper passages. The cranial and dental characteristics are, are comparable to those of other less complete pre-10,000 Paleo-American skeletons, including the Benon, that's the, not, not the Penon, right? That's P-E-N-P-E-N-O-N, -E uh, the Brule. The, 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 the Bull, B-U-H-L, and Wilson Leonard. Look it up. These are fossils, right? And to those in Upper Paleolithic humans across Eurasia, all right? Now, let me get right into the DNA. Watch this. Now, this is a dating real quick. It's a NH5 slash 48 is amongst a small group of Paleo-American skeletons, a group that is morphologically distinct from Native Americans, right? Okay. It's a, we extracted DNA from the skeletons, upper right third molar, and analyzed the mitochondrial DNA using methods developed uh, for poorly um, preserved skeleton elements with independent uh, uh, replications. The mitochondrial DNA holding group for NH skeleton remains was determined through, watch this, restriction fragment analysis. Look that up. Restriction fragment analysis, direct snagger sequencing. Look that up. And second generation sequencing, sequencing after target enrichment. It says the, look that up. Look up target enrichment dealing with DNA. It says the Elul 5176 site loss, right? Look that up. In the combination with Snagger, yeah, Snagger and Illumina sequencing data, confirm its placement in Huddle Group D. Sub Huddle Group D1. Sub Huddle Group D1 is derived from an Asian lineage but occurs only in the Americas. That is an important statement right there. I must say this again for all y'all that's acting crazy and trying to run from this DNA. Thrashing. Right? It says, confirm its placement in hollow group D. Hollow group, sub hollow group D1. Meaning that broke off from D. Right? Subgroup. Subgroup D1 is derived from an Asian lineage, but occurs only in the Americas. That means it broke away, right, and got into the Americas. That's the Western Hemisphere. That's North and South, right? Mother Nature power transformed those Paleo-Americans. See? I know y'all ain't going to buy that, though. I know y'all going to run from that, right? Okay? Having probably developed from the Berenger, after divergence, look up the word divergence, from other Asian population. What does it mean to divide or, or divergence, to break away from other Asian populations, right? But we're going, so we see that right there, right? 
Yeah, I see y'all over there scared. Goes on to say D1 is one of the founding lineages in the Americas. Mm -hmm. Subhabitable group D1 occurs in 10.5% of, of extat, extat, Native Americans, meaning Native Americans live it today. Look at the word extat, E-X-T-A, -E extent, E-X-T-A-N-T, Native Americans, with a high frequency of 29% in indigenous people from Chile and Argentina. This suggests that H, HN5-48, right, that's the fine, the teenager, descended from the population that carried the D1 lineage to South America. Meaning, uh, so they carried their lineage to South America, right? The discovery of member of the discovery of a member of subclass D1 in Central America, 40, uh, 4,000 years, KM, Southeast, of any other pre-10,000 DNA in the Americas greatly extend the geographic distribution of the Palestine age Berenger mitochondrial DNA in Western Hemisphere. Oh, uh, y'all don't want to hear the Berenger thing. Y'all don't want to hear how those people lived on the Berenger Street, right, for thousands of years, and how that environment in the Berenger, you know what I'm saying, transformed these particular homo sapiens sapiens. Y'all don't want to talk about that, do you? But that's exactly what happened. Then we can talk about how they split off on the Berenger and some end up walking later on, right? And some came down the coastlines. So I'm purporting that these Paleo-Americans, you know what I'm saying, use rafting techniques, boating techniques, to find their way all the way down the coast, all the way down the south. That's that. I'm not purporting it. That's what the good reads are talking about. And I think I presented that in the last class, right? And we talked about this article right here. The coastal route. All right? So what do we have here? We have the fact that the Paleo-Americans and the Native Americans do share DNA. Right? But the Paleo-Americans have a special DNA. It shows that they was here first. Right? It shows that. Okay? So we're going to say where exactly does the D1 come from? Where's the ancestral lineage of D and D1? That's what we need to get into real quick. Let me finish this though, right? It says HN5-48 shows that the distinctive craniofacial morphology, look up distinctive craniofacial mythology and generalized uh, detention of the Paleo-Americans, them with the teeth, right? The Paleo-Americans can co-occur with a Berenger divide mitochondria hollow group. Hear that Berenger? I don't want to hear that. That Berenger, see, I don't hear about that. It's a this 13 to 12,000 Paleo American skeleton thus suggests that Paleo Americans represent an early population expansion out of Berenger, right? Not an early migration from elsewhere in Eurasia. So, see, they're in Southern Asia. Watch this. It says this is consistent with the hypothesis, talking about the scientific hypothesis, that both Paleo-Americans and Native Americans divide from single source population, whether or not all share the lineal relationship. In light of this finding, the, the, the differences in craniofacial form between Native Americans and their Paleo-Americans' uh, uh, predecessors 
are best explained as evolutionary changes that post-date the diversions of the Berengers from their Siberian ancestors. Let me read this again. Right? In light of this finding, talking about the teenager, talking about Nia, N-A-I-A, right? In light of this finding, the differences in craniofacial form between Native Americans and their Paleo-American predecessors are best explained as evolutionary changes that post-date the divergence, look at that word divergence, of Berengians from their Siberian ancestors. That's called checkmate around here. Hmm. There's a population that got to the Berengians, right, that end up getting, they was there long enough to get transformed by their environment. And the D1 diverged from that, getting to the Americas first. So let's find out where the D come from. So let's get right to it. Let's go to the NIA. Let me find that. I just should have looked that up, right? N-A-I-A. -A. Skeleton. All right, go straight to that. What y'all do is I want y'all go to Wikipedia right now, right? Go to the near skeleton. Click it on. All right? And we're going to use the sources for Wikipedia to see. Let's just come down to the genetic testing right here. This is, this is what we need, right? It says the original report stated that HN5-48 is amongst a small group of Paleo-American skeletons, right? A group that is morphologically distinct from Native Americans. We talked about that, right? We went to the actual people that did the actual genetic testing. It said, genetic testing indicate a genetic link between Paleo-Americans and modern indigenous people of the Americas. I read the findings for you. So this particular person that wrote this Wikipedia article is obviously sourcing that. Now watch this. It say, as testing found, mitochondrial group D1, right? Watch this. It say, a founding lineage that may have developed in Africa. Oh, we got you, Unc. Yeah, I know you do, right? So the question is, what does that statement mean? Now we have to apply scientific literacy. Did that statement right there mean, right, with the word founding lineage, right? Did that mean that people walked straight from Africa, jumped on a boat, and got to Americas? Did that mean that? Or did it mean the founding, the founding lineage of D1? What does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. That means that nature is so powerful that it will put pressure on your DNA, causing it to transform, to pick out traits, darker skin color, lighter skin color, broader nose, more sweat glands, whatever is needed to survive in that particular environment. That's what that means. And it means exactly that. It's telling you that the D1 derived from somewhere Right? And over time, it transformed and ended up as D1. So let's figure it out. Let's do this real simple thing. Because we coming to the end. We had 33 minutes. And I know y'all falling asleep. I'm trying to make it as exciting as possible. I can't crack no jokes right now. Although I just should. But I'm not. Because I'm on a roll. Watch this. So let's click on, first of all, a founding 
uh, founding lineage that may have developed in Africa. You click that on, right, real quick, and that goes through the late Palestine, human skeleton, and mitochondrial DNA, Paleo Americans, and modern Native Americans. That's the one we just read when we when we kicked this off, right? Yeah. See that ain't that article, right? Ain't even talking about quote unquote uh, the African uh, founding lineage. So let's find out what the African founding lineage is. The founding lineage is. So let's just click on everybody. Want everybody to click on uh, mitochondrial hollow group D1. Follow me here. So we get to the wiki article D1. Uh, Wikipedia articles are excellent for DNA, um, showing uh, DNA evidence. Just let you know. And then I'm gonna have a class on Wikipedia real fast to kind of show y'all what I'm talking about and how uh, science. Uh, and and people who publish in scientific journals, right, also have to publish in Wikipedia. Y'all didn't know that, did y'all? So we look at the map D1. It says possible time of origin around 40,000, 60,000. Okay? It's a nice period. It's a possible place of origin, East Asia. Okay, so the origin of that, possible origin is East Asia. All right? East Asia. Not North Asia. Yeah, you know I'm saying, but East Asia, right? Now, what's the ancestor of uh, D? Not D1, we on D right now. What is the ancestor of D? Well, the ancestor of D is what? M. All right. Hold on, let me get back. Hold on, real quick, real fast. So we click on how to group D1, right? We get D. All right. Okay, we get D. Let me get real quick. We don't get D1, because D1 is a sub hollow group. Remember that? We get D. So let's talk about the D for a minute. So D. D is believed to have arisen in Asia about 48,000 years before present. Right? It say it is a descendant hollow group of hollow group M. Oh, M. That sounds kind of African, don't it? Hmm. How do we get from M to D to D1? How did that happen? You can only explain it, right, through biological human evolution. You can only explain through mutations. That's the only way you can explain that. You can't explain it through the good old-fashioned eyeball test because you'll be looking at the person look brown and you'll swear they West African and their DNA has to tell you something totally different. We know where certain mutations occur. We use molecule, mo molecule clock testing to, to talk about the, the rate of mutations. Hmm. Okay, so let's get to the descent. Let's get to the ancestor population of D. M. M. Origin. Let's click on the origin. It says there's there is a debate concerning the geographical origins of how group M and its sibling how group N. Both lineages are thought to have been the main surviving lineages evolved in the out-of-Africa migration. Alright? Because all indigenous lineages found outside of Africa belong to Group M or Group M yet to be conclusively determined is whether the mutation that defined Group M and, and occurred in Africa before the, before the exit from Africa or in Asia after the exit from uh, Africa. Determine the origin of group M is is hold on is further complicated by the fact that it is found in Africa and outside of Africa. 
Mm. So we see M, right? Possible origin South South Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, and Northeast Africa. All right. We rocking here. We're gonna talk about why that mutation occurred. We're gonna talk about how it changed from L3 to M. L3. So what is the ancestor of M? I'm walking you back from D D1 all the way back. You know what I'm saying? To M and to L. I'm I'm showing you time. This is taking hundreds of thousands of years to transform. We can count the mutations and know how long it is. <laughs> So now, what is the ancestor of M? Let's click it. L3. So really, without y'all even knowing it, without you even respecting it, you are really the great ancestors of the Paleo-Americans. You're not them. You're their mothers and fathers, but yet you take on a role as the child. I'm going to say this again. That the African Americans are older than the Paleo the Paleo Americans. You're the mothers and fathers, but you're acting like the children. I'm showing you the trek through time as nature transforms and transforms and deform and, and transform and form different genetic markers. I'm showing you this. You the mothers and fathers of the Paleo Americans, not the other way around. You're not them. You're their fathers. Stop it. So we had L3. What's L3? L3 is the human mitochondrial DNA hollow group. The clad has played a pivotal role in the prehistory of the human species. Yeah, that'd be y'all. A lot of y'all L3, L2s. See? Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it represents the most common uh, uh, parent material lineage of all people outside of Africa and for many individuals within the continent as well. So, possible time. 80,000, 104,000, 80,000, possible place, uh, East Africa or Asia. Ancestor. Ancestor is L3. All right? L3 and 4. All right? There you have it. So we get transformation on the continent. Starts out with L, L0. Right? Different environmental pressures make the mutation occur. L3, L4. Right? They start to walk out and leave, right? They get into Asia. Different things occur, right? They start to transform to D, right? Right? They get to the Beringer area. Subclad uh, 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 starts, to trans starts to happen, right? They break away, all right? D1. D1 develops in, in the Western Hemisphere, in North America, in South America. Then the other Ds come over later on. So the Paleo-Americans are the first with those characteristics, with those morphological characteristics that looks like Australians, Africans, right? They are the original people, but you're their mother and their father. And with that, I'm saying, I'm a raw squad up, right? Man, if the heat's too hot, get the hell out the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I'm standing on my damn square. That go for everybody because anybody can get it. The elders can the Mexicans, the Africans, the Native Americans, the Paleo-Americans, anybody can get this work. I'm a raw squad up. Black African power family.